to reveal empty interiors. In her absorption, she did not note the sudden activity upon the vessel, the purring of the engines, the throbbing of the propeller. She had reached the last door upon the right now, and as she pushed it open, she was seized from within by a powerful dark-visaged man and drawn hastily into the stuffy, ill-smelling interior. The sudden shock of fright which the unexpected attack had upon her drew a single piercing scream from her throat. Then the man clapped a hand roughly over the mouth. Not until we are farther from land, my dear, he said. Then you may yell your pretty head off. Lady Greystoke turned to look into the leering bearded face so close to hers. The man relaxed the pressure of his fingers upon her lips, and with a little moan of terror as she recognized him, the girl shrank away from her captor. Nicholas Brokhoff, Monsieur Duran, she exclaimed. Your devoted admirer, replied the Russian with a low bow. My little boy, she said next, ignoring the terms of endearment. Where is he? Let me have him. How could you be so cruel, even as you, Nicholas Rokoff, cannot be entirely devoid of mercy and compassion? Tell me where he is. Is he aboard this ship? Oh, please, if such a thing as a heart beats within your breast, take me to my baby. If you do as you are bid, no harm will befall him, replied Rokoff. But remember that it is your own fault that you are here. You came aboard voluntarily, and you may take the consequences. <laughs> I little thought, he added to himself, that any such good luck as this would come to me. He went on deck then, locking the cabin door upon his prisoner, and for several days she did not see him. The truth of the matter being that Nicholas Rokoff was so poor a sailor that the heavy seas the Kincaid encountered from the very beginning of her voyage sent the Russian to his berth with a bad attack of seasickness. During this time, her only visitor was an uncouth Swede, the Kincaid's unsavory cook, who brought her meals to her. His name was Sven Anderson, his one pride being that his patronymic was spelt with a double S. The man was tall and raw-boned, with a long yellow mustache, an unwholesome complexion, and filthy nails. The very sight of him, with one grimy thumb buried deep in the lukewarm stew, that seemed from the frequency of its repetition to constitute the pride of his culinary art, was sufficient to take away the girl's appetite. His small, blue, close-set eyes never met hers squarely. There was a shiftiness of his whole appearance that even found expression in the cat-like manner of his gait, and to it all a sinister suggestion was added by the long, slim knife that always rested at his waist, slipped through the greasy cord that supported his soiled apron. Ostensibly, it was but an implement of his calling, but the girl could never free herself of the conviction that it would require less provocation to witness it put to other and less harmless uses. His manner toward her was surly, yet she never failed to meet him with a pleasant smile and a word of thanks when he brought her food to her, though more often than not she hurled the bulk of it through the tiny cabin port the moment that the door closed behind him. During the days of anguish that followed Jane Clayton's imprisonment, but two questions were uppermost in her mind, the whereabouts of her husband and her son. She fully believed that the baby was aboard the Kincaid,
provided that he still lived. But whether Tarzan had been permitted to live after having been lured aboard the evil craft, she could not guess. She knew, of course, the deep hatred that the Russian felt for the Englishman, and she could think of but one reason for having him brought aboard the ship— to dispatch him in comparative safety, in revenge for his having thwarted Rokoff's pet schemes, and for having been at last the means of landing him in a French prison. Tarzan, on his part, lay in the darkness of his cell, ignorant of the fact that his wife was a prisoner in the cabin almost above his head. The same Swede that served Jane brought his meals to him, but though on several occasions Tarzan had tried to draw the man into conversation, he had been unsuccessful. He had hoped to learn through this fellow whether his little son was aboard the Kincaid. But to every question upon this or kindred subjects, the